0: As I said, I'm going to go to the shocking stat right off the bat here, and that stat is 8.6%. That's the U.S. inflation number for May. That's above analyst expectations while putting on hold, I think, any calls for its peak inflation. Although, you know what, just to let you know, I mean, I hear so much coverage of, is this peak inflation? I think it's overdone, given all that really means is that the rate of increase of prices is going to slow. I mean, it's hardly a consolation for anyone, and there are a lot of people now starting to struggle with these high prices, whether it's your grocery store, obviously at the gas pump, et cetera. Well, I don't think it's much consolation to say, hey, it's not 8% anymore, it's 7% growth, because that's all peak inflation means, is that the, the rate of growth is a dropping a little bit, but it's still growing. But come on, we had 8.6% is the highest inflation rate since 1981. And that's what calls back on the table of three-quarters of a percent rate hike as soon as June 15th meeting. What's also shocking, though, is the last time inflation was this high was 81. Federal Reserve funds rate was 13%. Well, the funds rate right now is 1%. Boy, that says a lot about where we're going with interest rates. But what's also noteworthy is that the Michigan Index of Consumer Confidence is at a record low which suggests people are really feeling it. And it's interesting about that because a lot of people still have savings rates, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the job market's good. You know, wages are starting to go up. But you know what? I think it tells me that people are feeling the pain at the gas pump or rising food prices. It's inflation that's dominating their view of their own personal financial circumstances. But whatever. The Michigan Index of Consumer Confidence, a record low. Time now for the quote of the week, and it's one that should be of great interest to those people who are stressed or are bothered, maybe who isn't, by record gasoline and diesel prices, which in turn play a huge part in the increase in our cost of living, as of course those high prices ripple through to so many other areas of the economy. But you know what? But despite all the focus on oil prices, including the price accrued being, what, it's on every single newscast, I think what surprises people is when I tell them, They've never bought crude oil in their life. That's right. Virtually none of us buy crude oil. We buy products made from crude oil, like gasoline, diesel, propane, You know, jet fuels influenced, uh, motor oil, though, lubricants. But we don't buy crude itself. Even more surprising for many people is that the prices at the pump are not the primary mover or have not been primarily moved by the rising crude price. No, it's the lack of refining capacity to turn oil into gasoline or diesel. That pays a far bigger price. And whether we're talking about Canada, the U.S., or Europe, the demand for products like gas and diesel is far higher than the refineries can produce. It's as straightforward as that. Supply can't meet demand. So while oil prices, yes, they're high, the actual move, though, in diesel and gasoline is much more because they can't keep up with the demand, the supply can't coming out of the refineries. And boy, we got summer driving season coming. So the worry is that pump prices are going to get even higher. The question is, though, then why don't we just increase the refining capacity? Well, that's the context for my quote of the week by the CEO of Chevron's uh, president, CEO Mike Worth. in quotes. We haven't had a refinery built in the United States since the 1970s. My personal view is that there will never be another new refinery built in the United States. You're looking at committing capital 10 years out that will need decades to offer return for shareholders in a policy environment where governments around the world are saying, we don't want these products, end of quote. Well, that's blunt and it's accurate and it has to be understood. I mean, who in their right mind wants to invest in fossil fuels? Now, it could be a new refinery or pipeline or increased production. Why? Because the length of time to get a return on investment is so long, because it takes so long to actually build one. If We want a new refinery. We're getting told it's seven to 10 years. Well, who wants to lock up their money like that in an environment where governments around the world are saying we don't want fossil fuels? Well, that's the challenge we face when politicians then turn around and say we want more supply. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. Well, come on, everybody's talking about it. And I continue to talk about it, I know, but it's record high gas and diesel prices because it seems to be on everyone's mind, including politicians. Why? Because those rising prices are the number one issue for voters. Which brings me to this week's Goofy and the statement by the former head of the Federal Reserve and current Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen who joined the political blame game by saying that the current oil price shock is because of the failure of oil producers to anticipate the increasing demand once COVID starts to dissipate. She went on to say that producers now have an incentive to increase production, an incentive to increase production. Well, blaming the oil companies is now a familiar theme for politicians who are running hard away from the policies that They pushed that discourage investment in both oil production and energy infrastructure. The problem is it's utter BS. This is just the last week, and I want you to consider it. The Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, proposed a rule that would make it easier for state officials and tribal authorities to stop pipeline and other energy projects. Gee, that's hardly an invitation to invest the capital needed to increase oil or gas production. Either is the line, that inflation is a result of greedy oil companies. This is Nancy Pelosi tweeting earlier this week, in quotes, In the middle of Putin's war on democracy, oil and gas companies continue to reap record profits and take advantage of the crisis by giving $41 billion to shareholders. It's unacceptable that big oil companies prioritize executives over consumers while families struggle at the pump, end of quote. Well, just even ignoring the fact that all of a sudden she goes from shareholders to executives is a bit much, but that's hardly an incentive to invest more capital to increase production. Nor is all the talk, by the way, in the U.S. about a windfall tax. Well, especially after the U.K. has instituted one. I don't think they're going to do it, but the talk certainly doesn't help. Right now in the European Union, come on, which is struggling with record high natural gas prices and a dependence on Russian gas. Environmental groups have launched right now have launched legal action to challenge a decision by the EU's executive arm to include 30 natural gas projects in a list of operations considered to be beneficial to the 27 nation bloc's energy market. They call them climate destructive. You know what? There's so many examples, but I'm just going to give you one from the states. And think about yourself as an investor. What message does this send? The area in New York called the Appalachia which is about one-third of U.S. gas production, also has massive reserves but needs more pipeline capacity to take advantage of it. But environmental regulations have killed or delayed all four recent pipeline projects. Mountain Valley Pipeline would take gas from the region to Virginia. It received federal permits. It got its permits in 2017, and it began construction in 2018 and was expected to come into service in 2019. Despite being 92% complete, numerous court challenges have halted construction. It's now $3 billion over budget, and the hope is maybe it could begin operation in late 2023 at the earliest. But analysts fear it may never be completed, and it's become a financial disaster for the developers. But think about that. The experience of Mountain Valley Pipeline is sending a resounding message to others who might invest in similar infrastructure. In a nutshell, it's the story of oil and gas development, along with the development of new refineries, as the CEO of Chevron uh, alluded to in our quote of the week. Politicians and government officials like Treasury Secretary Yellen absolutely refuse to acknowledge the negative investment climate that they've created. I mean, the old saying is that high prices cure high prices, as I talked with Tony Greer about, because rising prices, of course, encourage more production, more supply, which brings prices down. But that's not happening it looks like prices have to be a heck of a lot higher, for example, than $120 oil to convince investors to take on the political risk, lock up their capital for, what, 15 years. But in the meantime, here's the point. We better get ready for even higher prices to be with us for a longer period of time.